0: Sometimes these things happen. You follow a a line and a a sort of associative path that seems intriguing, and sometimes it doesn't bear fruit, and other times it does. A couple of times in my life that's happened where it's just something connected, and this certainly did.
1: You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought. From Arts and Sciences at Washington University
0: in St. Louis.
1: Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in to Hold That Thought. I'm your host, Rebecca King, and our guest today is Henry Shvay, a scholar, director, playwright, and professor of drama and comparative literature at Washington University in St. Louis. His plays and scholarly work have spanned a variety of interests, most of them historical, including an adaptation for the stage of Kate Chopin's The Awakening and a play commemorating the Holocaust called Hannah's Shawl. But one subject has been a constant, spanning over 30 years of his life.
0: When I wrote about Oskar Kokoschka, it was a very different experience. I was writing about an actual painter and playwright whom I had met in 1973, 74, and then again in 76, and whose work I had always been interested in as a painter. And then I found out he wrote plays, and I visited him at his home. He was quite elderly. He was in his late 80s when I met him. And wrote a book about his paintings and plays. And then 30 years later, there was a central incident in his life, a very... Disturbing incident that I decided would be worth revisiting in theatrical form.
1: As Professor Schwe explained, Oskar Kokoschka was an Austrian expressionist painter and writer. So, what happened in Kokoschka's life that intrigued Professor Schwe so much that he returned to it 30 years later?
0: He had had a very intense love affair with a woman, and the relationship broke off. He enlisted in the Austro-Hungarian army in World War I, and was severely wounded. He was wounded in the temple and bayoneted in the lung. And when he recovered, he was taken from the Russian front. He found out that his beloved had aborted his child and that she had ransacked his studio thinking that he was dead and that there was incriminating social evidence there. And he felt, and he told me about this, that he couldn't live, he couldn't work without her. And so he had commissioned a dressmaker in Dresden to provide him with an exact likeness, a doll, a life-size doll likeness of this woman, Alma Mahler. And he actually lived with that doll. And I thought, this is too bizarre. And it needs to be made into a play.
1: Well, that's certainly a story that begs to be explored. It has everything you could ever want. Love, jealousy, betrayal, madness. However, Professor Shvei's interest in Kokoshka began long before he ever heard about this story.
0: I grew up in New York City, and I had always been drawn to his work. I saw his paintings in the Museum of Modern Art, where I spent a lot of time when I was a teenager. And my Ph.D. was in comparative literature, and I was interested in inter-arts comparison between the visual arts and literature. And I found out he wrote these obscure plays between 1908 and 1917 that some scholars in German thought were the first examples of expressionist drama. But they hadn't been translated. They weren't known in English. And so that's how I heard about his work being involved in both media—
1: so in order to write his dissertation, Professor Schwe began to research more about Kokoshka, which led him straight to the man himself.
0: This is decades before Internet, and I found out that he was alive. I thought he had passed away. And so I wrote him a letter. My wife suggested that I write it on visually striking stationery. So I found this stationery that was brown and had a sort of black kind of silk texture to it and I wrote him and I said that I was coming to Europe and I'd love to interview him about these plays. Now what he told me when I got there he he agreed for me to interview him. His wife wrote me back and when I got there to his home in Villeneuve Switzerland he told me that he had gotten a letter from the pope on the same day which he didn't answer but because my letter was on such attractive stationary he felt compelled to respond and see about these plays that he did when he was in his early twenties that he really didn't take very seriously and wondered why some graduate student wanted to find out all about these plays so that's how we met he invited me and we stayed there for a week in Vilna, Switzerland interviewing him talking to he and his wife and finding out about these strange stories. Here's a man who lived through both world wars, had his work branded as decadent by Hitler, was exiled, fled to Czechoslovakia, right ahead of the Nazi invasion of Prague, fled to England, lived the war years outside Cornwall, and then moved to Switzerland. And so he had experienced and knew almost everyone of that generation, and was himself a renowned painter, an extraordinary artist. So it was a great treasure for me to just meet him. I was completely in awe. And I remember when I first walked into the house and he said, please don't get up, Mr. Chevet, I'll be right down. And he came downstairs into this small study. The house was very modest and unassuming and they were working in the garden. He was absolutely delightful, had these wondrous blue eyes When his wife was out of the room, he'd sneak a scotch and a cigarette and beg me not to tell his wife about it. He had trouble getting up, and I tried to give him a hand when he was rising off the couch, and he'd say, please, no, I must be strict with myself. And so he'd force himself to get up. It was just a wonderful experience.
1: Now that Professor Schweigh had met the man he admired for so long and even lived with him for a time... How did he approach telling Kokoshka's story for the stage?
0: So it was all based, again, on historically accurate information, but it was an original play. And it began with his wounding and then flashes back to their affair, the start of their affair, and goes forward into the commissioning of the doll. And I used a lot of what I knew from him, images of the doll, paintings that he did of the doll, that I incorporated into the play, I even quoted the correspondence that he did with the dressmaker, because as a painter he knew her anatomical proportions and conveyed them to this dressmaker, so the dressmaker became a character. But I also changed the weight of the play in a sense because it's not only about this artist, kind of uh, Pygmalion and Galatea theme, it's not only about this artist who wants to recreate this woman, but it was also about the maidservant that took care of Kokoshka after he was wounded and who falls in love with him, and whom Kokoshka asks to be the maidservant to the doll. And so there's a lot about identity and madness and artistic creation and the fact that. He needed this doll in order to create, and in some ways, I guess he got what he needed, and then he eventually destroyed the doll and, and moved on. It's a very strange, bizarre story with its roots in history, in something that actually happened.
1: By allowing different viewpoints, different characters to help tell Kokoshka's story, Professor Schwe found that the story became fuller and allowed new insights and perspectives into the chain of events of Kakoshka's life.
0: When you meet somebody like that who's had an impact, there is a responsibility to be as truthful as possible. On the other hand, to realize that you can't tell the story from his point of view alone. As a dramatist, you have to be able to imagine the point of view of the other characters. So this maid who is in love with him is a character, Alma, the woman that he's in love with, her very strong personality. And you can see why his attentions would have been, in some ways, suffocating. Their relationship broke up when her ex-husband's death mask was brought into the house that she and Kokoshka were living in, and he smashes the death mask. It was a mask of the composer Gustav Mahler. And that ended their relationship, but he was insanely jealous. And I think he would have, as an elderly man, he would have acknowledged that he was not quite in his right mind.
1: Much like the historical fiction writers I interviewed earlier in the series, Professor Schwe felt that he owed the facts of Kakoshka's life a lot of fidelity. But at the same time, he acknowledged that he was also trying to write a good play. Writing from different points of view, Fleshing out the characters around Kokoschka and adding small scenes to explore particular themes helped to make the story, which was originally more of a monologue, into a thriving, vibrant play.
0: I also allowed myself to invent certain scenes. A scene, for example, where his lover, Alma Mahler, comes back and actually sees Kokoschka serving tea to this doll and enacting this kind of weird Charade with this maidservant as well serving the tea. That didn't actually happen, but I imagined what it would be like if such a scene did happen. It's not entirely beyond the bound of believability that something like that could have happened. And so I think that there's a responsibility to not violate the person's truth. At the same time, a play is also, can be fictional and can use sort of extra biographical means to convey what it wants.
1: Many thanks to Henry Schve for sharing this amazing story with us. And thanks to you for tuning in. Join me next week for the final episode of our summer series, Writing from History. In the meantime, you can go back and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, PRX.org, and Stitcher. And as always, you can find us at holdthatthought.wustl.edu. That's holdthatthought.wustl.edu. See you next week.